Well, welcome to City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. So glad that you are here this morning. Thank you for coming in. Uh, if you would like someone to hand you a Bible, feel free to raise your hand. We'll be happy to bring one to you. We're going to turn to uh, Acts chapter 2 this morning. Let's start by praying and asking God for a little help as we turn to the Scripture. Lord, we thank you that we can feel your presence here in this place today so tangibly. Lord, we thank you that you have not left us on our own, but Lord, that you have spoken to us and that your word is alive and it is helpful. Lord, I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears this morning to be aware of you and be aware of your presence. We thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I am so thankful for a Savior. I'm so thankful for Jesus who was with the Father when God said, let there be light, and there was light. I'm so thankful that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, always in relationship, always sharing love, giving love to each other, have invited us into this loving relationship with them. I'm thankful that God sent the Son to earth to die, to pay the price for our sins, to rise from the dead in proof that God had done something miraculous. I'm thankful for Jesus. It's Sunday morning. It's about Jesus. Are you surprised? What we have here in Acts of the Apostles is a document inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by Dr. Luke, who had carefully examined the eyewitness accounts of everybody who was there, who saw Jesus, who heard His voice, who, who saw what happened, and the, the religious authorities of Jerusalem in their plot to put Him to death, engaged the Roman authorities, the experts, um, to this day, the experts in torture and capital punishment who took very careful historical documents about their capital punishment, God at all times was at work. And everything about Jesus informs us about God. And Jesus lived a very human life. He was personally betrayed. He was falsely accused. And yet with humility, he submitted to the will of the Father. They saw this. The people who watched it happen were convinced. One of the Roman soldiers who was standing there said, this must be the Son of God. People with no agenda, people with no reason. Jesus wasn't handing out money or cars like Oprah. He wasn't incentivizing their faith. In fact, he said that there would be suffering. They had no worldly incentive, but they were inspired. They received new life. Jesus had told his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit's arrival. To wait for the Holy Spirit immersing them. Giving them power. Jesus had, the resurrected Jesus had walked among them for 40 days. 500 people had seen them. Hundreds of people believing that He is who He said He is. They were gathered with a spirit of unity in a room 
praying. And the Holy Spirit visited them in a supernatural way. And they spoke in languages that they had not learned before. And there were people from other nations that were there in the city that heard their own language being spoken. But they were so overwhelmed with the Spirit that the people who observed this said, they must be drunk. And Peter couldn't take it anymore. And he stood up and addressed people publicly. And he said, that's ridiculous. It's nine o'clock in the morning. No one's drunk at nine o'clock. Well, you know what I mean. Jesus began, or Peter began to unpack the words of Jesus, the actions of Jesus, going back and interpreting the scriptures to reveal that Jesus was the Messiah. Why and how? Because he had seen Jesus many times do the same. Use the passages from the Old Testament to prove his identity as Messiah. They said, what should we do? This is what happened. This is what Peter responded with. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we just did, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying goodwill of all people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." This was their historic, miraculous response to Jesus. It wasn't forming a club. It wasn't excluding people. It wasn't telling the rest of the world all of the details of where they were wrong. It's about Jesus. It cannot be separated from the context of personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus who invites us, who is our way into personal relationship with the living God. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Now, we have been on a series called Building Ecclesia. Ecclesia, the Greek word church. We have seen in past weeks the way that this word is used. And in most occasions, by a significant majority in Scripture, it's used to talk about the local church, meaning, by definition, the people that are in this room. A local assembly. 
The word that's used that we just read in Acts chapter 2 is the same word that Jesus used. Dr. Luke, in writing the historical account of what happened and people being added to the church, uses the same Greek word which Jesus had adopted, a secular Greek word with specific meaning. When Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And this word church, ecclesia, literally means a group of people called out of their homes for a specific purpose with a specific identity. That's what the word means. We see further Jesus' instruction to us, which he specifically prays for all people, all time, in the future that would believe in him. He says this, for all who will ever believe in me, that they will be one. And there's a purpose to their unity that Jesus prays for, so that the world will believe. In other words, the purpose is bringing people back to Jesus and his identity as Messiah, the sent one by Father God who has made a way for salvation. It's all about Jesus. So when we look at this definition, what we clearly see is that the church is comprised of people being invited in who have been made new, experienced a spiritual regeneration, been born again, as Jesus described it, in this faith, receiving new spiritual life. Here's what we have talked about a little bit in the past weeks. In the first week, we looked at Jesus is building. Jesus is the source. Jesus is our foundation. We did unpack a Bible study about that. And that relationship with Jesus is our purpose. What is our purpose as a church? Well, it cannot be separated from a relationship with Jesus. If church becomes something that gets in the way of your relationship with Jesus, it is not contributing to its rightful purpose. Jesus is our purpose. We looked in that first Sunday briefly about the scriptures describing us as the bride of Christ. A covenant relationship, a lifelong covenant relationship with a purpose of representing, of reflecting the agape love of God. The second week we looked at We are the family of God and the body of Jesus brought together for intentional relationships. We did Bible studies to unpack and to lay out this truth, which is why we understand that the local church has purpose. It has identity. It has value. It should, for Jesus believers, have priority. In the third week, we did a Bible study about what their prayer list was. What were the things that they prayed for? And if the notes on all of this, as always, are available on our website, cityharborchurch.com slash messages. And so you can go back and look at the list of the scriptures that we've used and read them and study them and test them and question them. Fire questions at me. Let's learn together. Well, what? Right? And so we learned from that Bible study that we must, and I use that word purposely because that's what the scripture tells us to do, we must pray for each other to grow in understanding the love of Jesus and that the good news be shared. We didn't spend as much time as we could have unpacking that part, but the scriptures are there. We should be praying 
for our local church that it would extend the good news of Jesus in a strategic, advancing way. That's in the Bible. Number four, that's last week. We must share God's selfless love with each other. You cannot escape the very specific pointed, purposeful words in Scripture that we as a local church should receive the agape love of God from God through Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit, digest it, and in turn, share that same agape love with God, reflect it to God in appreciation, and to each other. Our expression, our relationships with each other should be for the purpose of sharing agape love. And what I'm hoping that you are starting to get through this is that God has a specific purpose for our gathering. Today, I'm bringing us back on week one, I gave you a homework assignment. And that was to read the passage that we just read in Acts chapter 2. To pray and ask God, where in there do you see a next step that you can take to be obedient in this instruction? So today, the theme that we're looking at is we are called to become devoted followers of Jesus. In Acts 2, the word devoted that is used there, they devoted themselves. Here's what it means. To continue to do something with intense effort. With the possible implication of it having dis, of, with the possible implication of doing it despite difficulty. That's the specific word that Dr. Luke uses to describe how those believers became the church. They devoted themselves. Despite difficulty. In other words, to devote oneself to to keep on, to persist in. That's what we are called to do. Now, what did they devote themselves to? Because that's important. Because I don't think you should just devote yourself to whatever I say. Aren't you glad? We might be a whole lot more coffee in our gatherings. So here's here's one way to kind of try to uh, synthesize or boil down what they devoted themselves to. You see on the screen. Learning from the apostles' teaching. And we have multiple scriptures that help us understand that what the eyewitness accounts the closest followers of Jesus were teaching were the words of Christ. But also, Christ regularly unpacked the Old Testament passages about himself and about the new covenant. So they were teaching the words of Christ, which also used the Old Testament and had purpose and followed direction, right? So they devoted themselves, they made intense effort to receive the apostles' teaching, okay? They devoted themselves to intentional relationships. If we take unpack the Greek words that Dr. Luke uses to describe what what is going on, we would have to come away with that. They saw their relationships with each other as having purpose, and they devoted themselves to them. They devoted themselves to communion, the Lord's Supper, which we do weekly here in this church, for a purpose. They devoted themselves to prayer. And I love it when particular men, and I'll pick on you for a moment, tell me that worship, singing, or prayer is not for them. Let's just do a Bible study about that together and I'll change your mind. 
We are called with the tabernacle of David to Davidic psalmic worship, to worship with the best of, with all of our energy. And I went to the movies with some of you yesterday, and I saw that you could get energetic over pixels. (laughs) They devoted themselves to prayer. It doesn't say just the ones who felt gifted at it. Okay. Picking time is over. I love you. I'm so glad that you're here. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to sharing. Sharing possessions, small, large. They devoted themselves to sharing food. They devoted themselves to sharing time. They devoted themselves to generosity that went beyond that. They devoted themselves to public worship and to gathering in small groups. And what were the results? And I put this on the screen because the results are noted in two places in this list. The results were miracles and salvations. Not just the ones that saw the resurrected Jesus, not just the ones that saw the Holy Spirit baptism, but in a continuing, ever-expanding, forward-moving way, those were the results. And when we go through a period where we are not seeing miracles and salvations, I get increasingly concerned. And I am thankful to report that in the past year, we've had more miracles and more salvations, possibly than the previous four years combined. I thought that was worth cheering about. Some of you clapped at the movie yesterday. That would have been a good place to clap. So... Because of some of the areas that we focus on on a more regular basis, or we already have focused on, or we are going to focus on, I want to bring our attention to just a few of the things of the list today. So they devoted themselves to learning from teaching. Now, I I want to say something, and this I want to say this for your purpose, because I am serving you and because the Scripture compels me to say this to you. So will you just give me your attention for just a moment? I mean, at best in a year, I only get 50 hours with you in the whole year. And I know you're like, Pastor Ben, I lost an hour last night. (laughs) I love you. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching of the words of Jesus. Your biblical response is to devote yourselves to what I am teaching you after that pattern. If we take the words of Scripture seriously, we can't come away with any other interpretation. I went through education. I went through assessment. I've been proven. I have people who listen to the recordings of our sermons to proof me, to correct me. I pray many hours. Every day I study the Scripture I prepare many hours to serve you a meal once a week for 30 minutes. Whether it's me or somebody else, your biblical response according to Scripture is to devote yourself to what you are being taught. Now, if we get out of alignment with what the Scripture says it should be, I must be corrected. So what it should do is it should edify you, encourage you, equip you. It should put tools in your hands. Hello? 
Some of you remember we've done series on Ephesians. We've done series on how to bring peace to a neighborhood. Every Sunday there is scripture as foundation of everything we do. Because I take this very seriously. Some might say too seriously. Are you with me? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I have known that it is easy for us to spend hours between Netflix and Amazon and YouTube, and there's all kinds of better, more attractive sermons out there, from Apple Podcasts to other things. There's so many voices. There's so many preachers that I enjoy, and you can enjoy them, and you should. But if I follow the pattern of Scripture, my first and primary responsibility is to devote myself to the teaching that is within the context of that local church. Now, we've gone eight years, and I've never said that. Shame on me. Because it's in the Scripture. This is our response. So, I want you to ask yourself, is God asking you to take a next step in devoting yourself to the teaching that's being provided in this church? And the Sundays we miss, and we all miss them. Rebecca and I are going to miss a couple in June because we need vacation. Do I go back, cityharborchurch.com slash messages, and pull up the audio, stream it, download it, take notes on it, interact with it? I know that Ross does, because Ross communicates with me when he does. Right? Now, this would also include what was being taught in their small groups. Are you with me? And what was being suggested. And many times I make suggestions for reading, right? Now, this, please understand, this is not for you to devote yourself to my words, but the teaching of the words of Jesus, the words of Scripture. That's how we know it's safe. And the Scripture gives us a filter. It must be done with agape. All of the gifts, the apostle, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, that's in the context of 1 Corinthians 13. So if ever I'm not operating in the agape love of God, I must be corrected. Are you with me? If it's not encouraging and not edifying, if it's not building up and putting tools in your hands and proclaiming the Word of God and calling us to repentance and calling us to change, I must be corrected. That's why we have elders who I communicate with every week who listen to these teachings. That's why there's accountability. Are you with me? So there there is a purpose for it. There's a way it should be done. Okay. Eight years. There was your few minutes. Okay. They devoted themselves to intentional relationships. And we do that here well, and we can do it better. For example... I don't do an adequate job of providing social gatherings just for fun, partially because I used to do a lot more of it, and I got discouraged because a whole lot of people didn't show up. And so I just kind of stopped putting invitations out there. So I'm going to try to do better to make some changes, because I know that fun social time helps us with the intentional relationship part. And I see in the scripture a conviction for intentional relationships, which is not just, we're going to be serious about this thing. Right? Ray said amen because he's hosting some fishing and hiking on Saturday, March 16th. Right? Intentional relationships. They devoted themselves to communion, to prayer. When and how, when and how did they do this? In public worship, 
and small groups. That is when and how. Now, this passage that we just read in Acts is a paragraph. And in fact, Greek doesn't have sentence structures like we do. And Paul, in particular, uses Greek to write in huge paragraphs. Some of his letters are one sentence. So this is a sentence. And that's why I've put on the screen this list of what they devoted themselves to. Is this helpful? God is inviting us to bring change. Why Why do you think that space exploration is so exciting? Why? My son and I were just talking about space exploration this week. I think that one of the reasons space exploration is so exciting, I mean, even the comic book movies can't, you can't have a single movie without space. It's like the fascination with space is, is, is endless. People still arguing if the moon landing happened or not. It did. I'm just saying. Science, bro. So why is space exploration so interesting? I think I submit to you that one reason why is because you imagine it takes you to a place you haven't been before. And it takes you to a place that's different than the world you do know. And it takes you to a place that you can't get to on your own. And it takes you to a place, think about even the astronauts that go to the, the space station. I, I like the YouTube channel with the International Space Station and all these other things, even though all of our current astronauts are really pretty straight-laced Mr. Rogers types compared to the rock stars of the first group. But anyway, it takes us to a place. Even they couldn't get there if you just said, okay, astronauts, go build yourself a rocket. It takes decades of research, decades of learning, which include a wide variety of things, which include that God created this earth with features to the rock, to the minerals, to the ore, and the plants that could be used in the scientific construction of rockets. It takes us to a place we can't go in our own strength. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Life to the full. I believe that the local church is designed to bring you to a place that you can't get by yourself. Listen. Your relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the priority. It is the purpose of this local church. And you can experience the love of God, the passion of God, the presence of God anywhere that you go. And you must and you should interact with God by yourself, for yourself, with a purpose, interacting with the living God in a very personal way. But I'm but telling you that the purpose of the local church is to take you somewhere you could not go by yourself. 
Jesus prayed the Psalms, he sang the Psalms, and he did so with the purpose, and the Psalms included instructions for the choir director to say, instruments, play. People stand. People sing. That seems kind of bossy. That doesn't seem like a place I want to be because I can't just do whatever the heck I want whenever the heck I want. Guess what? The worship of Yahweh, the very hallelujah, was a people praise the living God. It is a command to people who didn't feel like it, who didn't want to, who wouldn't have done it without themselves. And what does it say? It says that the living God comes and he inhabits the praises of his people. The purpose of the local church is to bring you to a place you can't get to by yourself. It's not me. It's not this room, clearly. (laughs) It is something very spiritual that should engage. There's a part of our independent spirit that is healthy and right and good, and a part of it that is sinful and wrong and destructive. We exist to worship the living God, to receive the love of Jesus, to share the love of Jesus, to make the love of Jesus available to all who will come. This is really good. So what should we do? Well, receive the love of Jesus, choosing to find and follow Jesus. If you're not already a Jesus follower, today is your day. You've got an opportunity here now to confess your sins, to confess a belief that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I don't know about you, but I went to the altar lots of times. I wanted to be sure, (laughs) y'all. God added to the church those who were being saved. Read Acts chapter 2 verses 38 through 47 today and ask God if there's a next step for you in becoming a devoted follower of Jesus. You hear me often say, don't make your own list, ask God what his list for you is. Because generally speaking, the Holy Spirit is gentle and focuses on one area at a time in your life. What is the one area on that list of how the local church responded? What was the one area that God is inviting you to change in? Pray and write about it. Talk to God about that one area that you need to change to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Write about it. I don't like to write. Write about it. Number four, ask for help. You've got a spiritual family around here that are dedicated to you, that love you, some of whom got here early, like I'm talking about like 6 a.m. yesterday's time, to just set things up just so you could enjoy this space. Ask each other for help. Say, hey, you know, I got this one area that I need to grow in in my devotion to Jesus. Will you help me, right? Number four, ask for help. Number five, take one step. Just Just one. Take one step in a direction of being a devoted follower of Jesus. If we follow Jesus in this way, then the church will look victorious, like Jesus described it in Matthew 16, 18. 
fully devoted and overflowing with love like we see in Acts 2, 42-47, and unified so that people will know Jesus as the Messiah, like we read about in Ephesians 4, John 17, John 13. Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you so very much that not only did you send Jesus, but you sent us, you bring us to a place of intentional relationships with purpose. You bring us to be able to be in relationship with each other, to love each other, to encourage each other. Lord, I ask that you would help us to hear your voice in this message through these scriptures. Would you please help us to hear your direction in the one area that you want us to grow in? Would you please help us to take one step closer to you because of Jesus, because of the good love of Jesus you've already shared with us? Help us today to live out of an appreciation, a thank you for the good news of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word that is alive that brings us to life, that brings us to a place we would not get to by ourselves. We thank you for your goodness today in the name of Jesus. Amen.